The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we are streaming live on wvfs.fsu.edu and are also on air locally on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee, Florida. If you would like to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871. And as always, if you miss this show or any other future show, you can always go back and listen to us on the Tomahawk Talk podcast, available anywhere you get your podcasts at. Be sure to like and subscribe to the entire V89 podcast network while you're at it. We greatly appreciate it. I'm your host, Luke Hazen, excited to join you on another Monday here in Tallahassee, where although we have a lot of Florida State football to discuss after their recent game against NC State, it is officially a hoop week here for the Knowles as the men and women's basketball teams officially get underway with games this week. And the Florida State women's soccer team officially clinched yet another ACC championship with a great rematch win against Virginia. We're going to have all that and more to talk about on the show here tonight. But first, as always, joining me in the co-host chair, my good friend, Gabe Tisnes. Gabe, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. You know, Barcelona finally <laughs> signed the manager that I've been pushing for this whole last year or so. And, and it's just like the only thing that I can think about in sports. I, I know there's a lot right. going on in sports, and but... It, and I mean, for, for those out there, who's who's uh, Xavi? The, so the gotcha. Spaniard me- right. midfield legend. He he was at the one clubs. of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, he was at the club yeah. since he was a kid and right. about 17 years in, as a pro. And man, he's been coaching in uh, Saudi Arabia, I believe. And he, he's not very experienced as a manager, right. but but he he's providing a lot of hope <laughs> at a time of of need for Barcelona. So I'm I'm just that's always on my mind right, right now. Right, absolutely. And he and so he played for Barcelona his entire career, right? Yeah. And he comes back here. Do you, do you like him to get Barcelona back to where they once were? I mean, it's a name brand. Like obviously Barcelona can get right back on its feet like that, but uh, do you do you trust him to get lead them to where they need to be? You know, he he's coming in with a lot of problems and yeah. a lot of debts, a lot of uh, off the field issues, but even the on the field issues are are something that's going to be really hard for him to fix, especially with that lack of experience but I do think that he is the chosen one I, I cannot see anybody else right now that that can really take the Barcelona squad as it is and apply the, the philosophy that the club preaches uh, like he can and so not only that but he's he's also a long-term solution he's not somebody that's going to come in and you expect him to to fix things so even if they don't really succeed in the first year or so as long as he agrees to stay long term right. I think eventually he'll get it done Right, and and why wouldn't he agree? You know, Barcelona, it's, it's about as good as it gets in La Liga. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. But I'm Gabe. I'm happy for you that you have something <laughs> to look forward to with Barcelona. It's been a rough, it's been rough, rough couple stretch, uh, rough stretch there for Barcelona fans. But hopefully, he leads them back to where they uh, rightfully belong. Uh, also, joining me on the panel tonight, Jackson Bakich coming back here. Jackson, how you doing, bud? You know, I said it before, and I'll say it again. If I was doing any better, I think I'd be dead. There you go. As so. always. So I'm really excited. You know, it's going to be a great show, and we've got a lot to talk about. I'm really get, really ready to get into it. Yeah, and we appreciate you for being on and, and filling in, you know, being on call like that. We had a couple people uh, that, you know, and it's really all of Tallahassee at this point, all of FSU coming down with some sort of sickness. Thankfully, we're in good spirits. We're in good health. But as always, we thank you and also my next panelist here for, for, for picking up at the at just a phone call there, uh, Jack Oliaro, back on the show. Jack, how you doing, bud? Been doing pretty good. It was a um, it was a mixed weekend with FSU sports, but doing pretty well. Yeah, and before we get to FSU sports and sort of the mixed weekend that they had, 
I want to take you back all the way to Tuesday. We went off the air, of course, Game 6 of the World Series. Um, we're bringing this all the way back because we have to update you on, on something we talked about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, your Atlanta Braves, uh, as you like to claim them, World Series champions in six games. We all had our reservations about them uh, heading into Game 6, going back to Houston. But how great is it to know that, that an Atlanta team team finally, finally, finally wasn't uh, Atlanta United? This does not uh, right the wrongs that happened with 28-3, but at least we all forget about it for at least a little bit. That that first one since 95, right. really the only team in Atlanta that's getting championships also besides Atlanta United, but first championship since 95, it feels really good. Yeah. Atlanta needed this, especially after, uh, well, the Falcons have been poor and they've given all their energy to the Braves. So, hey, yeah. And you know what? Things are already turned around. Braves win on uh, on Tuesday. Falcons actually hold on a lead. They don't blow a lead for once in their lives. That lad was and we'll, too we'll, close. Too and close. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later. And the Hawks, they, you know, they got Trey Young. They're, they're on the up and up there. So we shall see about Atlanta sports. But I'm very happy for you. Happy for all the Braves fans out there. You know, we're, we're pretty pretty close locally to, to Atlanta there. So congratulations to the Braves. Congratulations to Freddie Freeman, one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, definitely well-deserved Definitely there. hope he stays, too. I, th- I think they'll work out a deal. I, I, think, I really hope so. We shall see. How, how was your weekend, Luke? We, we never get to ask. Well, thank you, Gabe. Honestly, <laughs> my weekend was pretty good, if I'm being honest. And uh, I meant to ask Jackson about this because uh, Jackson and Jack and, and Scott and I, we all went to uh, WVFS's birthday bash yeah. uh, this last Friday uh, at the Bark. And it was just an awesome event. Great to see everyone that, that turned out there from all the different departments and, and all the different organizations that they had set up there. Music was good. Libations were good. The uh, vibes were good all around. Scott, how, how was your uh, how was your experience at a birthday bash? I I enjoyed my night, but this is all a nice detour from that Florida game on Saturday. So. Yeah, well, we're gonna talk <laughs> college football a little bit later. I might have to to get on my my soapbox here and talk about the state of, of Florida football. I don't know that anyone wants to hear that though. I think we can brush that under the rug. Uh, but as always, you just heard from Scott Clemens, our producer here. Uh, he is also on Twitter tonight, so Scott, we thank you for that. Shout out to Scott for always holding it down there, and Sebastian Angeliano, as always, in the production booth. Uh, they make us sound way better than we deserve to be, as I always like to say. But, fellas, let's jump right into it. We lead off every show with it. Florida State football yet again takes the field, except they looked a little different this last Saturday. Of course, Florida State uh, welcomes NC State into town, NC State. A pretty decent season so far with a couple of flaws on the road. They fall to Miami. They fall to Mississippi State on the road. But they come in here, uh, a pretty well-regarded team. And uh, Florida State falls to them, 28-14. A lot closer than the 14 points uh, probably indicate on the scoreboard. But when you look at the box score and you look at Florida State's numbers offensively, uh, it is it is kind of woeful, and a big reason for that was the fact that they did not have their starting quarterback out on the field. Jordan Travis, throughout the week, uh, there was sort of a progression amongst the media members that were sort of uh, getting all their notes together and kind of realizing, yeah, Jordan Travis is probably not going to play. He came under flu-like symptoms, just like all of FSU has, uh, not to mention a couple more guys on the offensive line, just all around the program uh, were suffering from flu-like symptoms. And it turns out Jordan Travis could not go uh, for this game on Saturday. So NC State gets out to a, a an early lead. They score seven in the first quarter, seven in the second quarter. FSU, who has to turn back to Mackenzie Milton uh, in a time of need when they needed it, especially because Chubba Purdy uh, just transferred this last week as well. Uh, so Florida State's down on their last legs uh, in the quarterback room. 
Uh, Mackenzie Milton, it was 22-24, 230, uh, a one-to-one touchdown interception ratio. Uh, Florida State gets shut out in the first half. They go down 14-0. Uh, then the third quarter comes up. They make a couple of huge splash plays. They obviously lead the second uh, half off with the onside kick. They get some momentum going. They hit a couple of good plays. Uh, Keyshawn Helton had a really good play down the field. Uh, and then they get to within a, a score, uh, 21, I think, uh, sorry, I believe it was a uh, uh, twenty-one fourteen. Right. It was well. It was forty. It's fourteen to seven, and then NC State, of course, goes uh, yeah, back and right scores right. twenty-one to seven. Uh, FSU eventually gets it to within another score again, twenty-one fourteen, and then NC State shuts out the Knowles in the fourth quarter. They score a touchdown on their own to kind of put the game on ice, twenty-eight fourteen, and Florida State falls to I believe uh, three and six on the season. Uh, so a couple tough losses. For Florida State, coming out of the UMass game that we we said that Florida State might be on the up-and-up game, uh, but what was your big takeaway from Florida State's most recent loss here uh, to NC State, who is now ranked number 21 in the nation? Well, we can call it the flu game. Uh, that's <laughs> what some people are, are calling it, but at the same time, like I said last week, this is the game that I wanted to see right. the progress, where we can actually see on the field a result, because the Clemson loss, as good as it was, it still left a lot to be desired of, and... I mean, 28-14, like you said, Luke, it, it seems closer than what it was. And, and I'm just going to start off with the first half because FSU looked horrible, horrible. Yeah. I, I cannot tell you how bad they looked on offense other than they, I think they had 73 total yards on about seven drives. And, I mean, zero points. I mean, you just yeah. can't do that. It's, it's basically what happened against Wake and what, what it seemed like uh, the offense was looking like at the start of the season. And, obviously, you, you see the difference between McKenzie and Jordan and – we can talk about all that, but at the same time, look at the, the, the end stats for the game. Two rushes for Trayshawn Ward, four yards. 14 rushes, 33 yards, Jason Corbin. I mean, the running game has not looked the same for the past two weeks, and obviously that's been the main issue, I think, for FSU, other than Jordan Travis on the offensive side of the ball. And McKenzie has just not been right. able to, to do anything. I mean, we, we've talked about the lack of weapons and, and the offensive line struggling, but he is just not player he used to be and it's really sad to see yeah well I, I want to touch on a couple things that you just mentioned first um with the running game we've seen the last couple weeks that, that Florida State's kind of got installed uh, in the running department which had really been their bread and butter throughout the the couple games that they were able to piece together and win uh last week I think you chalked that up to the fact that Clemson however flawed they may be as a team overall I think a large part of that is skewed because of their offense that just refuses to score whatsoever unless you're of course they're going up against Florida State in which they have some of their biggest offensive plays of the year um, but their defense is still really good and I think that that was kind of a given heading into the the Clemson game that Florida State with their offensive line uh, and, and their their dependence on running the ball Clemson was just going to load the box and stop them and that's sort of what they did so I, I chalked that up to I I was indifferent about that result because I kind of didn't have the biggest expectations for the run game uh, and then for this game, a little different story, obviously, um, because NC State is an inferior when it comes to, to the defensive line and, and their front seven compared to Clemson. But they're still pretty darn good up front. Uh, you know, Clemson. You know, NC State gave Clemson all the trouble in the world when they beat them uh, in Raleigh. And then you compound that, compound that with the fact that you're going to this game with Mackenzie Milton as your quarterback. The lack of Jordan Travis in this running game absolutely showed its teeth. On Absolutely. Saturday, mm-hmm. and it was never a fair fight from the very jump when you knew that Mackenzie Milton was going to be the quarterback. Uh, I'll say it, and I, I don't like bashing him because 
of what he's had to come back from and what a great story Mackenzie Milton is. He should not be playing Power 5 football as a starting quarterback, really not even as a backup quarterback because I think Chubba Purdy was, probably gave Florida State a better option than Mackenzie Milton. Um, so for him to be thrown into the fire like that I think was tough to expect anything out of this offense and, and really expect anything out of the running game because NC State was just able to key in on that. So that's obviously disappointing. But one more thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, I actually I came away from this game kind of impressed in some regards with, with, with Florida State. I you know you're not going to win many games, especially against a good opponent like NC State with with a quarterback and an offensive game plan that you have to restructure on the fly like that. Um, but I thought the defense for the most part gave, N- gave NC State mm-hmm. all the trouble in the world. Yep. I mean Devin Leary he throws for four touchdowns. They end up scoring twenty eight. For a large part of that game in the middle, NC State clearly was uncomfortable with what Florida State was doing to them. Um, so I think that that's something that they, the, the, the coaching staff can hang their hat on, that the players can hang their hat on, that they, they kept this to a one-score game into the fourth quarter against a good opponent. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the defense played well. And I thought this was their most, probably their best coached game as a whole based off and relative to what they had to work with. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, so I I don't come away with this game that frustrated to be completely honest with you. Uh, uh, yeah, game the last up. thing I was yeah. I was also going to touch on the defense because I mean giving up twenty eight it doesn't seem like it was a great performance, but throughout the whole game you see yeah. NC State just getting the ball right after every single FSU possession, and it could have been a blowout. It could have been way worse, and that's credit to the defense. Credit to Keir Thomas who had two sacks. I believe he was the ACC defensive lineman player of the week, and. They only had two penalties, like you said. They were right. they were well coached. Two of them, they neither of them came on offense or defense, which is what you want to see. And the problem is, I I like all those things, but if you if you tell me all these things coming into the game, I expect the game closer to be twenty eight to fourteen. Yeah. I expect the game, if anything, to be on FSU's side. And they never led. They never even yeah. really tied the game. And we obviously know Jordan Travis is such a huge part. We we never saw it as clear as day and night as this game. Right. But at the same time. I, the only player I can really think of outside of Keir Thomas was the the, the punter. The punter had a good day. Yeah, that, that's how bad FSU. Shout was. out Alex Mastromano. There you go. And and Jackson, speaking of that, I know you had a couple main takeaways. Especially you had a main takeaway concerning the difference that we saw between Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton on Saturday. Well, I'll tell you what. We were talking about this pre-show, and when we think about the Willie Taggart era, it just felt as though in every game there was no improvement. And it felt as though every loss was a beatdown. That's how it felt. I mean, we were, we were talking about those 2018, 2019 2018, Virginia. 2018. Oh, well, we were discussing 2019 Virginia and then yes. 2018 Miami. Yeah, one of the few games in which we felt, or in the, one of the few games in which Florida State felt competitive in a loss. Competitive in a loss, yeah. That's the key thing there. But Florida State, in every single loss this year except for Wake Forest, it seems as they they have been competitive. And that is an improvement, in my opinion, in leaps and bounds. But with Jordan Travis, the Florida State offense is a Model T. Or excuse me, with, <laughs> with Mackenzie Milton, there you the go. Florida State offense is a Model T car. But with Jordan Travis, <coughs> the Knowles offense is like a Prius. You know, it's not the most flashy, but it's efficient and it gets the job done. All right. And so in order for Florida State to have, you know, we'll get into Miami later on, yeah. but in order for Florida State to have any chance against Miami, um, they're going to have to bring out some miracle cures to make sure he's good to go because the entire offense is dependent upon his playing. Right, yeah. And, you know, you, you heard Mike Norvell in his press conference today. He didn't sound too pleased or, or sounded too confident 
that, that Jordan Travis was going to be 100% uh, a given on Saturday against Miami. It sounds like he's still kind of dealing with the worst of it. Um, depending, you know, there was there <laughs> there were some reports that he was out on Saturday and, and what have you there. I don't know how he's handled this whole situation, but it doesn't sound like he is going to be 100% even if he does play against Miami. Well, for well that summer. could be some 4D chess because that could be some... That's you know, very true. It could be just gamesmanship by Norvell, but yeah. I think mm-hmm. you know Norvell at this point he's he's, I, I think he's pretty pretty vulnerable with the media in terms of, of I I just don't think he has anything to lose with with saying something like George Travis is still dealing with the flu. So he, he's listed as quarterback number one right now yeah. on the depth chart. So yeah. I, I expect him to be there on Saturday. Yeah, well that that's certainly huge. And and Jack, I'll go to you next. Uh, just some of your main takeaways from this game. My main takeaway was that. Well, I think what everybody was kind of said is that the defense held there's held a, a bargain, but the offense could not do anything about it. They cannot hold their side of the bargain. Because yeah. uh, the only problem with this defense for me was the secondary, who got burnt on two touchdowns. And if you take those two touchdowns away, we have a 14-14 game. And you never know what could happen from there. Um, it was a 45-yarder uh, by Devin Leary. I, th- I think it was one play and then a 63-yarder. Yeah. Uh, but the front seven on defense did great. They kept the Wolfpack rushing crew to 30 to 40 yards in the first half, uh, and they handled the short passes very efficiently. Yeah. And the Hail Mary pick by Jamie Robinson at the very end of the second quarter, that was the first pick for Devin Leary since week two against Mississippi State. He doesn't make m- many mistakes, so FSU can say, hey, we picked off Devin Leary, who looks <laughs> definitely not in the Heisman conversation, but he is a well-rounded quarterback who could be in the NFL. Oh, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in in the entire conference, and mm-hmm. especially in a conference like the ACC. This is what we've kind of been harping on FSU about the entire season. You got you look at guys like Devin Leary. You look at who Wake Forest has. You look at Sam Howell. Guys that Kenny Pickett. Yep. Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Like, if you can just get some relative above-average play in a conference like the ACC from your quarterback, you could go on a huge run where you win eight to nine games and you remain competitive. Uh, in the ACC uh, championship race there, uh, especially with Clemson down, especially with FSU down. Uh, it, it just seems like we've been harping on it, and, and it was day and night the difference between what FSU is dealing with in their quarterback room compared to what a guy like Devin Leary, who's kind of sat his time, developed, and become a, a an above-average player for this NC State team. And you see the the fruits of his labor paying off. Uh, NC State is now well-positioned uh, to be in contention for, the, for a, a trip to Charlotte there. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think they still have to play Wake yeah, later in the season, which is going to be a great game this yeah, week. I believe it's this week. This, yeah. week. It's this weekend. I'm I'm so stupid. I had that in my, I had that in the notes for for college football <laughs> and, the, and the games coming up this weekend. But uh, Gabe, I'll go to you for this next little bit that I was talking about. Looking forward to the game against Miami this week. Uh, what are you looking for? What's the blueprint for FSU if they're going to beat a Miami team that you know? They lose Derrick King. They go to another quarterback. They've sort of gained some momentum. They lose a close game against North Carolina, but they have beat NC State, and they come again. Uh, they, they're just off a win against Pitt, I believe, a really good win against Pitt. So, uh, what is it going to take for FSU to beat Miami this weekend? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Miami a couple of weeks ago, and we were saying, "Hey, this looks like a beatable game," and now not so much. But at the same time, I, I do think this is a winnable game for FSU. I think this is. Uh, such an important game. We've, we've talked about the rivalry and, and the recruits and this and that, but more than anything, I mean, you want to end the season in a high note in some sort of good fashion. And I mean, with Miami, you have a chance to beat your rivals. You have a chance to end the, the season at home with a W. And I think the players, they they need to actually focus on winning, not focus on, on anything else. Because 
I mean, you show the stats. Two of two on the red zone. Only two penalties on special teams. Uh, there's so many stats that, that are positive here, but but still, not enough. Not enough to even come close. Right. And yes, we know NC State is a much better team than Miami. But at the same time, FSU needs to f- start finding ways to win because this team is very young. And although improvement is important, I think this is this is the point that, that needs to be emphasized. If you don't win, none of these stats matter. None of these performances matter. Yeah. And, and if you expect Jordan Travis to be out there, and, and you expect the rest of the team to kind of battle the tally flu for, 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 for as best as they can, then FSU needs to be, be as efficient as they were uh, against Clemson. They need to be as stout as they were defensively against NC State and put it all together. And whether that comes down to more coaching or the players, it doesn't matter. You just need to go out there and get the W because if not, then what are you going into the offseason for? Uh, I mean, you saw how Chuba left. There's not many players I can think of right now that are looking at FSU in positive light. And there's just so much on the line here. And I I, 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 I don't know what else yeah. to say. Yeah. No, I, I think I think when you talk about the players and wanting to win, I no part of me has ever sensed that this team is not looking to go into games winning. That's the only reason they're still remaining competitive is because they, they go into games thinking, okay, we're going to win this game. I think... From a fan's perspective, from a media perspective, uh, it shouldn't be an end-all, be-all if, if Florida State loses to Miami. It's certainly possible. I still think the biggest date on Florida State's schedule left is actually going to come a month later for an actual early signing window uh, when you get recruits in here and you can make a positive impact on them. Uh, but, Jackson, I'll go to you next when we're breaking down this Miami game and, and how Florida State is going to come out with Jordan Travis back in the saddle if he is. Um, what is your early read on this game, and what do you think uh, is it's going to take for my, uh, FSU to beat Miami? Well, Florida State, and you know its program has always kind of said, if if the players have to get motivated for Miami, then there's something incredibly wrong. Exactly. Yeah. And Florida State has a real opportunity to snap a streak against one of their biggest rivals at home. I think it's since what 2017 they haven't beat them. Four games. Uh, yeah. No, 2016. 2017 they came into Doak and and yeah, right. beat Florida State. Correct. Yeah. All right. So it, it it's been a it's been a long time coming. Yeah. And you know, Miami they're on what a, a winning streak against top 25 teams. Right. Who who did they beat this week? So they beat they, they, they beat Pitt this week correct. and then 2 um, weeks before they beat NC State. Actually, sorry. 3 weeks ago was NC State, yeah. 2 weeks was Pitt. Last week they survived a tight game in Coral Gables against George Tech. It was a 33 to 30 score. And in between there they lost to North Carolina, I want to say. Or maybe that was before. Anyways, continue. Florida State, they have to come out. They have to be dynamic. They have to not be one-dimensional. And it's really it's going to come down to the trenches. It really comes down to how well the offensive line plays. If Jordan Travis is able to have a clean pocket, and you know, Florida State has really been coming out in these bunch formations, which I personally like to see. It's been it's allowed them to keep everything compact, allowed them for good short passes, and it's allowed them to have an approach that allows them to be very efficient. And I think their offense has to come out and be dynamic. That's the only way I see Florida State having a chance this yeah. game. Jack? Uh, this is obviously with Jordan Travis pending, but there are two things that definitely need to happen. That is, one of them, put the ball in your running back's uh, hands more. Put him in Corbin's, put him in Ward's. Good things happen when you do that. Uh, another thing, tighten up in the secondary. A lot of open uh, missed tackles on those long pass plays mm-hmm. that NC State did. Tyler Van Dyke is clicking, and mm-hmm. it looks like 
maybe their quarterback problem isn't solved, but they definitely have something that uh, they can work with this year. So, and he's averaging 11.1 yards per pass. He's looking really good at the right time against it, uh, Florida State. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, we can talk offense all we want, but I think if the defense doesn't show up and, and the defensive line doesn't wreck this game, they don't put some sort of pressure on Van Dyke. I, I think this game is, is a double-digit win for Miami, the way that they're rolling right now. Uh, they're going to have to force turnovers, multiple turnovers, I think, to, to, to gain somewhat of a, of a, um, a like running they did, game. Like and they did against Clemson. Exactly. Exactly speaking. And, and, and even more so than, than the Clemson, because obviously that game was at Clemson. I think if you can turn Miami over here in Doak, final home game of the season, I think it's a completely different story that we're talking about here. But as of right now, Gabe, uh, we'll just fire off some, some final predictions for Miami. Last home game of the year, uh, Knowles looking to snap that four-game losing streak against Miami. Uh, what say you? I have to go with a loss. <laughs> mm. I mean, they're, they're, I'm not getting burned again this, this week. <laughs> I assure I'm not. I'm, I'm going to go with Miami 37, wow. FSU 24, and I – I think Jordan Travis will come back, and, and for, for a little bit, the, the game will be even, but Miami is just rolling right now, and I, I just don't see the team putting it all together. I think there will be facets where, where it will be competitive, and I do think that the team will, will – it just comes in waves. We've seen this multiple times. It's either the, dif- the defense clicking, it's either the offense clicking, but it's never both, and the way that they looked on third down, obviously McKenzie's starting this, this past weekend, but I – I think something will go wrong, <laughs> and and uh, by the end of the, the game, FSU fans are just going to walk out of Doke sad oh. once again. Unbelievable, Gabe. The, uh, how, I, how many is that in a row that you I'm a Debbie Downer today. I, I'm not going to Yeah, it, it must be just season, seasonal, November, whatever it may be. Gabe it's, is, is, is throwing time, up the U here. Uh, Jackson, we'll go to you next. Uh, what's your final score prediction? 31-27, Florida State. Wow. There's no rhyme or reason why I think that's going to happen. It's just what I think. I don't know. Can't can't explain it. Jack, I have two score. I have two predictions. One of them is that Jordan Travis will start. Okay. He's gonna have his flu game. Great players okay. have their flu games. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you have a good flu game, you're gonna win. I'm gonna take in a similar score. FSU 31, Miami 28. FSU brings a similar defense that they brought to Clemson, but puts up an offense that we saw in Chapel Hill. I feel like if you have a flu game, you can't go out there and have a bad performance. You can't do that. Can't. I feel like you gotta show up That's for disrespectful. it. Disrespectful. I look at this line. Early line is is uh, Florida State two and a half point underdogs heading into this game. I'm like, okay, like obviously Vegas knows something that we don't. I, the, you know, they think it's going to be somewhat of a close game, but then I think, oh yeah, they also had NC State going into this game as a two and a half point favorite. Uh, yeah, I just do not think until I see it, until I see FSU and their defensive line wreck this game for Miami's offensive game plan. I can't bet against what I'm seeing out of Miami's offense that's sort of gotten some momentum going. We have a doubting Lucas is what I'm hearing. Yep, yep. I think that Miami right now is just a little little step ahead of Florida State in terms of of getting their program back on track. Uh, I'm going to go with Miami 27, Florida State 20. I think Jordan Travis struggles a little bit early on to get back in the groove of things after having a week off, uh, and Miami ends up winning at Doak. Uh, We shall see. But... We will be right back with a ton, ton of other Florida State topics to talk about. Uh, Soccer, basketball, we'll wrap up college football a little bit, and then we'll talk NFL. Uh, You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. All right, we are back after a short break here on Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee. 
talked all Florida State in the first half, their game against NC State, their future game against Miami. Uh, some doubters, some believers here in Jackson, they, they, they want Florida State to go out with a bang in their final home game of the season. Before the Jacks are the believers. <laughs> That's Y'all right. That's right, before they go on the road to, to Boston College and, and Florida later on uh, down the stretch here. But expanding, as we always do, outside of just Tallahassee for the college football landscape here, uh, College Football Week 10 is in the books. Couple upsets, another uh, another handful of college football playoff ranked teams that fall this weekend, and some other close scares, some like really not impressive performances at all by some of the the, the heavyweights here. Uh, of course, Alabama go, uh, goes down to the wire against LSU. LSU had multiple chances uh, to kind of take the lead in Tuscaloosa against you know against the you know predictive number two team in the country. Uh, with, so, air, with air air quotations, number two. Right, right. So you know, we were on here last week saying, like, does Alabama even belong in the top four of the college football playoff? We were, most of us were absolutely wrong about our prediction for the college football playoff. But I'll start with you, Gabe. Uh, what game stuck out to you from this last weekend in college football? Michigan State losing to Purdue. I mean, yeah. we've seen Purdue already take take uh, some some giants down to the wire. But I mean, Michigan State, I didn't I didn't think they they deserved to be in the top four. And I'm not gonna say I am being right right because of this because i mean obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and you expect all these teams to kind of go up and down because that's how college football works but at the same time i i just don't understand how cincinnati's not in the top four we'll talk about that in a second but yeah i mean michigan state i, I expected them to kind of keep it up for a little bit longer and no they just flat out came out here and laid an egg so they got Purdue. They got Purdue. What, what can you say? We've seen it happen to multiple teams. This year. We've seen it happen to multiple teams this year, including number two Iowa in Iowa City. Purdue goes down there, and when you take a look at their body of work, like Purdue, I'm not saying they're world beaters, but they're six and three, and they have two great wins against Iowa and Michigan State. Now it, it seems like they do it every year. They win seven or eight games, sometimes nine, and then and they get, but they always get. One they always or two get signature one. wins. And they might get one next week when Ohio State comes to West Lafayette and, and, and plays the Boilermakers. So we lovely. shall see. Uh, Jackson, what game stood out to you from this last weekend? The Alabama game was really fun to watch. And I know yeah. we already talked about it. But, uh, you know, kind of Edo's last chance in Tuscaloosa, as far as we know, depending on where he goes to school to coach. But last time he was there, he beat him. Correct. And it, it was. It was just a really cool game to watch. The atmosphere was really cool. That that Alabama LSU game is always just yeah. a really cool atmosphere. I think that was the that was the first. I, God, I think that was the first night game in Tuscaloosa. For it, it seems like since 2011, it's either always at that nine to six game, one of the greatest games. I or, love that game. Or if it's at night, they usually have it in Baton Rouge. CBS picks it for the eight o'clock game, but CBS instead chose Ole Miss uh, or sorry, not Ole Miss, A uh, and M Auburn. For this last weekend, so they, you know, Kirk and uh, Kirk and Chris got the call, uh, seven o'clock ESPN. It was re- really fun to see in Tuscaloosa. Jack, what about you? Uh, I'm gonna go with the ACC here and go Wake Forest and North Carolina. Oh, I did yeah. not see the rest of the game because I was uh, in the press bo- or press box for the FSU game, and when I went in there, I think uh, Wake Forest had like a double double digit lead, and I was thinking that was over, and then I come back and. North Carolina has blown the doors off 58-55. to 55. Sam Howell went on a tear. And yeah. Wake Forest, as Jackson pointed out Jackson. earlier, <laughs> did not suffer a conference loss as a result of this being scheduled as a non-conference game. There are more specifics about this that Jackson could probably uh, explain post-show that I still don't know. <laughs> but um, it leads up to a really good match, and I mentioned this a little bit, Wake Forest, North Carolina State going uh, into next week, uh, which probably is... 
the winner of that game probably goes on to right. represent the ACC Atlantic. It's going to be a heck of a game. Them it, and Pitt. The best Pitt. way I could chalk it up, Gabe, is, is just <laughs> – sorry, not Gabe, uh, Jack. <laughs> it's just dirty, bloody North Carolina hate. That's the reason they keep the game. They're just yep. keeping that – they said they'd play each other every year. And so Wake Forest comes back to bite them in the neck. We were amazed. It was Most of us were here were surprised that it was a three-point um, you know, spread spread to UNC and that's exactly how it came out 58-55 yeah, no, ja- and Jackson is not of course it's not it's a, you know we're not discussing gambling advice whatsoever but Jackson <laughs> you were very high on Wake you were very perplexed by the fact that North Carolina was favored and they, they took it to you man you know I don't condone sports gambling um, I don't know anybody that does sports gambling but if I knew somebody that did sports gambling and they decided to put money line or you know to, to bet money line on wake forest i would have agreed with them so uh <laughs> however they turned out to be very wrong and i'm sure if i knew that person that did sports gambling they probably would have lost some money and been mad about you it you tell them so. to stop sports gambling <laughs> on, on, on wake of all teams but looking at the slate this this coming um this coming Saturday, a couple of great games. Uh, Jack already pointed out uh, NC State Wake Forest. That's going to decide uh, who ge- uh, gets out of there from the the, the Atlantic Conf- or the Atlantic Division of, of the ACC, uh, and we'll m- eventually meet. I think we're all in, in agreement that it's probably going to be Pitt. Might be Miami. It, it could be uh, North Carolina. Still kind of a yeah. Uh, North Carolina's playing Pitt actually this Thursday, so they could, there their, we vo- go. their voice still could be in there. Yeah, we shall see. But then you get Oklahoma Baylor is another great game, uh, and then. The only one that I, I, I had picked out here, you get Ole Miss and A&M as well. Uh, but Georgia, going on the road to Neyland, any chance that Georgia gets upset there, guys? What time's the game? 3.30, CBS. Hmm. I don't think so. And Espanol, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, Neyland has – They have a Put great a atmosphere. And, you know, Ole Miss, they, they played a really good game. Hopefully the fans, are, you know, aren't uh, super rowdy as they were, as they right. were last time. But – I mean, any given any given Saturday, who knows? That's right. And and, and oh, Gabe, were you I think the opposite comes with with Oklahoma and Baylor. I think this is the week where Oklahoma oh, finally bites. Baylor the coming off call. a loss, kind of looking. I would have to agree with you on that one. We shall see. It's gonna be uh, those Oklahoma Baylor games are always great. I go back yeah. to Jalen Hurts comeback against Baylor. Mm-hmm. It was RG three. Yeah, way back in the day. We also mm-hmm. got Michigan and Penn State. Right. Like Penn State favored by uh, they're they're a one point uh, we're one point on the spread there, which is. Gonna be a very interesting game in Happy Michigan. Valley. Yeah. yeah, Michigan. This is kind of like no. their last gas. You know, they could legitimately run the table and then beat Ohio State and still kind of be in contention. I mean, you know, a one-loss Big Ten champion Michigan with a, a I mean, with wins against Michigan and here, Ohio State, and right? Probably beats out Cincy. Yeah, anything to get out Cincy. They, yeah, they gotta hope Ohio State beats Michigan State and then they beat Mich- or then they beat Ohio State. We shall see. Um, let's see what. Oh. Right, I was about to brush it off, but I know Scott wanted me to touch on it a little bit. Uh, Florida loses to South Carolina, forty to seventeen. <laughs> Woo! Uh, this is tough. Um, the best, or sorry, the 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 most indicative thing I can say about the Florida program right now is that for the first time since Jim McElwain, since the Georgia game for Jim McElwain, I I turned it off, Scott. Mm. I turned off a Florida game. I didn't. I didn't watch them lose and get mad. I didn't watch them win and still be mad. I just turned the game off. What time? I turned the game off. I want to say early into the third quarter. I just stopped watching it. A, the Bulls were playing, but B, it was embarrassing. And you know, props to Dan Mullen. 
He came out. He made some huge changes this last week, and he fired Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator, John Hevesy, the offensive lineman. He knows that there's you know changes that need to be made. He got there at the podium today, and he owned it. He said that we're worse now than we were at the start of the season, and that's on him. Uh, so we shall see. He's not going anywhere, I don't believe. Uh, but certainly, certainly, i got to wear that one on the shoulder there. I know Scott wants me to. Well, if they uh, lose to Florida State, no, there could be no, some no, no, problems. No. So, so even if they lose to Florida State, I believe that Dan Mullen will stay. I, I, saw, I saw a post on Facebook that Gator fans wanted Tim Tebow. To, to, to what? To coach. <laughs> We're nice. Not, we're not pulling. Cla- a, we're not yeah. pulling a Javi here. Real, real smart Florida fans there. Nah, ima- no, but just like imagine a world though where you got the top three teams in the state of Florida. They're coached by Deion Sanders, Tim Tebow, Michael Irvin. Like, <laughs> Michael, Ir- <laughs> Michael Irvin. Yeah, I'd love to see that. The scenes, man. The scene. It, we'd be entering bizarro world right there. But we'll move on from. I'll from take no, Deion. One, no one wants to hear me talk about Florida for for half of this hour here. Scott we'll move knows. on to some actual great news for Florida State. Mm. And we were all keyed in on this. We were watching the semi at, at the bar uh, on birth, for the birthday bash when FSU beat uh, beat Wake Forest, I want to say? They did. They beat Wake Forest in overtime. They beat uh, Wake Forest 2-1 in overtime to advance to the final. And then FSU soccer this, uh, this last Sunday at 1 o'clock beats Virginia in a huge rematch from last Thursday's uh, regular season finale and senior night. They went at one nothing in uh, regular time. Florida State soccer's eighth ACC championship in the last 11 years, and they've won eight straight championships that they've been to. So the only time that FSU's not winning an ACC championship is when they're getting knocked out before the championship round. Just an incredible game. Clara Robbins scores the only goal of the game at the 35-minute mark. An absolute bomb from what looked to be like 30 30 yards out, I want to say. It was absolutely crazy. Wins her second consecutive tournament MVP. She won it last year when Florida State beat North Carolina. Uh, Just a crazy, crazy run by Florida State considering where they were towards the back end of the season where they were kind of struggling a little bit to score. But in the end, they, they hoist another trophy, and they're getting ready and primed for another uh, playoff push. Uh, Jackson, I know you want to comment first, and then I'll go to Jack for, for how great this team has been over the last couple of games. Well, I just want to say it was totally indicative of the V89 Sports Department to be watching. I mean, we love women's soccer, but, you know, to be watching women's soccer during the birthday bash party. Well, everybody oh, else. Oh, you, you had everyone kind of jamming out. You Correct. had everyone talking. We're, we're talking Aaron Rodgers, and we're watching FSU soccer in the corner of, <laughs> of the bark there. Yeah, it, was, it was a great experience, great night. And we're always we're, we're letting you know we're always prepared, and we're always staying committed to watching Big J a, every sports. Exactly. Jack, I, Jack, I know you have a ton, ton to talk about with this, with this team and, and kind of the run they've been on. Um, well, I'll save that for when um, either they crash out at the tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament, or they hoist it. But... This is one of, if not the greatest, FSU athletic program right now. Right. The soccer team is a menace. They only had one loss in the season, that was to Duke, who was, I believe, a five-seeded time. And in football, you lose one versus five-seed. Those happen. You, those, lose, those losses happen. And if anyone who went to that uh, Virginia game, not the championship, but the last one, the rematch, that was yeah. a— or not, not the rematch, the regular season finale. Yes, it was crazy. That was a nasty draw. That oh, was yeah. a nasty draw. It was a Terrible weather. Just a, a bloodbath out there. Yeah. Ton of penalties. Ton of controversy. A lot, lot of a uh, lot of fans next to me screaming their heads off <laughs> for the refs' head. But that was a revenge game, and they did what they needed to. They have the number one seed in the NCAA Women's College Cup, and in the first round they'll be taking on South Alabama. 
who they actually uh, played early in the season, got right. a 4 nothing win over them. And afterward, I believe it's either Texas or SMU. From there, we'll see where this team goes. But the expectation is championship. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's what FSU's built up. They've certainly earned, you know, earned that expectation throughout the course of the season. And if I could do math, uh, 2014, 2018, well, uh, based on the pattern, I would assume there's maybe something coming <laughs> pretty soon. 2022. Yeah, we shall see. But, uh, Gabe, did you have any, any, any thoughts on I, this last game and FSU's chances heading into the playoffs? You know, I actually was being a Debbie Downer prior to the game because the form that FSU came into the game with, I was not very pleased. But i got to give it to Mark Corian. He, he won the game, and that, that's what we've been talking about with FSU football. FSU soccer has been Knows a menace, how to win. Yeah. but they also know how to win when it, when it matters most because the team hasn't looked good, and, and they only won by one goal, which was a banger from 30 yards out. But if you really think about the goal, it's not something you can count on every week. And that's not to say to take anything off from Claire because you know she's a baller. She, she was the MVP last year. She scored two goals against UNC in the ACC title last year, last year and she did it again. But at the same time, it's FSU soccer is scaring me a little bit with their offense going into the to the, the big tournament. I do think they're going to get to the Sweet 16 where they're I think they're going to face Pepperdine. They're the number four seed right now, mm-hmm. and and even then, like I, I still think they're 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 bound to make the final. But at the same time, I just want them to 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 look a little bit better offensively because the the way that the defense is carrying this team right now is unbelievable. Can but you can so only long, last so yeah. long, right? And, and especially when we talk about these tournaments. Anything can happen in 90 minutes, <coughs> and for them to lose out, uh, it would be really sad because this is probably the last year that we're going to see Jalen Howell and so many of, of the, these these crazy seniors that came in in 2018, 2017. And I want them to, to go out uh, in the glory that they deserve, that they deserve because last year they couldn't pull it off. But but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Yeah, Jack, one last thing that you wanted to talk about. I was just going to say that FSU does. Uh, I, something I've noticed is that uh, this team does start slow. Their first halves do not consist of many goals. But if anyone who's watching during the regular season is when they'll maybe get a goal or maybe none before the half, and then an explosion happens around the 50, 60 minute mark, and maybe that's something to look out for as an FSU fan. Or when you're uh, nothing, nothing with um, South Alabama, you're thinking, oh, geez. And then you know they'll put on the they'll put on the afterburners eventually, but it's I think it's final or bust. Yeah, so. I mean uh, the expectation has to be whether or not they they show up and they they make it to the final and win it. We shall see. But it's certainly one of the best programs Florida State has to offer right now, athletically speaking. Open dynasty. And we we move on from one awesome program right now in Florida State soccer to another one that is just tipping off this week. FSU basketball, both the men's and women's team, ranked to start the season. They tip off their seasons. Uh, the women's team obviously tips off tomorrow against UNF and then on Wednesday at 9 o'clock against Penn, the number 20 ranked men's team uh, tips off their season. It is going to be a much more crowded uh, Donald uh, J. Tucker Center. We did not get any of that last year, and so I'm really, really excited, and it's really refreshing to have a packed-out tuck this year after a great season last year that FSU couldn't quite capitalize on because they didn't have fans in the stand. I felt like there were a lot of games that should have and deserved to have a bigger atmosphere than they had. Uh, That team last year was awesome to watch, and I don't think that they got as much respect or maybe not respect, but as much love as the 2019 and the 2018 teams were that were just as good. Uh, like, how great would it have been to see Scotty Barnes, <laughs> who is now the, the, you know, one of the rookie of the year frontrunners in the NBA in a packed Tucker Center like that. It's crazy, but, you know, FSU heads into the season. 
couple big changes. Obviously, Scotty Barnes gets picked number four, but you also lose guys like Raekwon Gray, Balsa Kaprivica, and even guys like MJ Walker, who are no longer here. Uh, they have a lot of production to replace, and in steps a couple guys that have been here, and they, you know, FSU is relying on to take some big steps. Obviously, a couple transfers. Uh, Caleb Mills, the true freshman from Houston that transferred here, uh, is going to have a huge role to play uh, in the backcourt there. And so Florida State heads in the season. It's looking like the starting lineup is going to be Raquan Evans, Caleb Mills in the backcourt. Uh, you have Anthony Polite returning, needing a huge, uh, way bigger role out of him this year. Uh, you have Malik Osborne, of course, returning. Swiss Army Knife, he can play any type of position. Uh, and then Tanner Nagam in the back, uh, you know, not expected to play a ton of minutes with that closing lineup, but certainly he's going to start a lot of games for Florida State and going to be playing big minutes here. Uh, Jackson, I'll go to you. Uh, what's your initial read on this uh, FSU basketball team ranked 20 to start the season? Well, you were just talking about Anthony Polite and the kind of role, and it just kind of popped in my head. He needs to be like a Clay Thompson type of player, mm. you know. He needs to be like a role player that scores 25 points a game. <laughs> so, and yeah. that kind of, not saying, you know, he's a role player, but, you know, the player that makes his shots pretty much. I mean, yeah. that that's just what we need from him. Um, but I expect Florida State to be competitive in every game, but I'm not necessarily sure we should be expecting a Final Four run just because of the mm -hmm. talent that we lost. Right. Um, right. A Sweet 16 like they've had the pr past three years. I agree. I think that, a Sweet 16 appearance is something that is – in the books for Florida State, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm. I think that's on. an achievement this year. I think based, not that the roster is uh, inherently worse. It's it's a, it's always been a great roster from the top and the bottom. But um, you got uh, guys like Caleb Mills, like you mentioned. Also, Cameron Fletcher from Kentucky. Right. Uh, really, really good uh, coming off the bench players. And will they be competitive most games? Yeah, they should. They compete with. They should compete with everybody and anybody every, any day. But but my argument was. Was that last year, Florida State was expected to go on another Final Four run, yes. possibly Final Four or Elite Eight, yeah. and they they underperformed. They and obviously they didn't get there. And I think the expectation this year is a Sweet Sixteen appearance, and they might fall short of that. They might exceed it, but I think yeah. you know there's just a different expectation because they're not the clear front runner for the ACC this year. There may be a third or fourth because I think. Um, it's the likes of Virginia and uh, Duke. Right. Not Duke, I, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm just used to saying Duke. Right. I, th I think there's a clear-cut top four, and the rankings bear that out. You know, Florida State is being valued up there with Virginia, uh -huh. Duke, and North Carolina. Those are the four teams that I think are going to battle it out throughout the season uh, for ACC. Uh, Dark Horse Virginia Tech, maybe. Dark Horse Virginia Tech certainly, and I like what Josh Pastor is doing at Georgia Tech, but I don't know. He, he had a, a little, a little bit of production to to replace, just like FSU did. ACC uh, champs. But they tip off. Gabe, I'll get your your quick take here. Uh, what your expectations are for for the basketball team this year? Yeah, similar to Jackson, I expect them to be in the Sweet Sixteen, but they could fall short. There's a lot to to replace, but I do believe in Coach Hamilton. I think he's one of the best coaches. And in, in college uh, basketball, not football, <laughs> college <laughs> yeah. basketball. And uh, I, I really do expect him to get the most out of this this tandem. And with Anthony Polite, he is my player to watch. He is my player that I'm mm -hmm. going to be looking for him to, to bake the, 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 the big step right. forward because he's going to have the ball a lot. And he's he's somebody that can pass it but also shoot it. But I, I think he, he has a lot of versatility that this team needs because – they, they lost a lot of playmaking ability with Scotty and some of the other guys, 
and with, with the lack of a, fi- a fifth center, you know, uh, I, I, I expect him to go smaller more times than not. And, and that's where I think Anthony's going to have to shine most. Yeah, I, th- I think that you're going to see a lot of nights. The closing lineup is probably going to be some combination of, of Raekwon Evans, Caleb Mills, and Polite in the backcourt. Uh, Polite is going to be leaned on to, to shoot a lot and uh, and score a lot, uh, especially with you being so green in the backcourt. And then you probably you go with a guy like Wyatt Wilkes or, or Matthew Cleveland, and then Malik Osborne at the five going small down the stretch uh, just so you can get more shooters out there, just so you can get more scoring. Uh, it'll certainly be awesome to watch. Very exciting times for Florida State uh, basketball. It always is nowadays. Uh, Coach Hamilton has certainly set the standard. And as a, you know, as the season goes along, we're going to get a lot more into FSU basketball as fo- uh, football dies down. Uh, but certainly something to look forward to here at FSU. Soccer and basketball, always. Just classy programs there. Uh, but we move on from that to the NFL and what was probably mm. the best NFL week uh, we've had in a while, to be completely honest. It's kind of boring. It was it was bloody <laughs> for the Saints. <laughs> the antithesis of boring. It was bloody Sunday. Week nine uh, is in the books. Uh, like I said, the best Sunday by far. So many, so many upsets uh, and just puzzling, puzzling uh, box scores here uh, that we're gonna break down real, real quickly here in the last couple minutes of the show. Uh, but let's start in Cleveland. Probably the biggest national story. Uh, outside of Aaron Rodgers, which I'm, <laughs> we're going to touch on at the end of the show here. But outside of that, we started the week by, you know, everyone was talking about OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., and, and how he wanted out of Cleveland. Cleveland, of course, later in the week granted him that release. Uh, so he is no longer with the Browns. And the Browns kind of had their backs against the wall going into Cincinnati, uh, a team that many were, were crowning after they beat Baltimore, uh, saying Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase connection was just electric. And the Browns had to go in there, sans uh, Odo Beckham Jr. after he left, and all they do is hang 40 on him. They win 41-16. to 16. They dominated from the very jump when Joe Burrow threw a pick six on the opening drive. Tripped himself. That was funny. Baker with the fifth perfect passer rating of his career. Four of those have been without Odo on the field, the other with Odo on the field. Uh, he didn't record a pass. Or he didn't record a target uh, from Baker Mayfield there. So, Gabe, I'll go to you for for the Browns here. Um, do you think that this was a wake up call for the Browns? Like, had they was it just that simple that Odell did not mesh with what they were trying to do offensively? This could be a cause of correlation is not equal causation, right. but I, I do think it has to do with with two things: with the Bengals not being the team we thought they were, correct, <laughs> but also with the Browns being kind of underperforming the first half of this, not even the first half, but like you know the the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, and they, them finally having to wake up. Um, and I, I do think Odell has a lot to do with this, uh, especially with Baker. I think Baker plays better without Odell, which is still so bizarre to me. But for some reason, he just does. And there's some analytics that we can go into that. But let's just stick with the, the point of the matter is that without Odell, he plays better. And not just that, but, but they actually stuck with the ground game and Nick Chubb was healthy. So they were able to run the ball. So a lot of things were going right for the Browns. A lot of things were going wrong for the for the Bengals especially with that pick six that Joe Burrow threw yeah. uh, near, the, near the red zone. So I was very much surprised, but I, I think the NFL is just drunk right now. So <laughs> is anything really unexpected? Right. I think you sometimes you get head coach and quarterback combinations where the relationship is larger than uh, a quarterback and his skill player, his wide receiver relationships are. Uh, like, perfect example, you look at what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick did in New England. Obviously, that relationship was bigger than any skilled player position the uh, skill position player that they brought in there, uh, they were always going to do what was best 
for that offense no matter what. And I think Kevin Stefanski and, and Baker are the same way, where they see the game the same way, they want to do the same thing. Whereas you look at an Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they clearly have a relationship that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur do not. Mm-hmm. They connect way better together, uh, which is what I think a lot of people from the outside thought that Baker and Odell should look like. And it just never meshed. And so I think it's, it, it, the stats, we have a large enough sample size now. I think it's addition by subtract, subtraction mm-hmm. in the highest degree. I, I like the Browns going forward. But we'll move on from that game to another puzzling one. Jags. Jags beat the Bills 9-6 to in Jacksonville. And, man, I wish Kylie was not sick with the flu here so she could pop off on the rest of us and, and, and talk about her Jags finally getting another win here. Uh, Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime is the story in this game. Of course, the Jags, Josh Allen, sacks, intercepts, and recovers a fumble from Bills Josh Allen. First time any one of those stats has been recorded from one player to another player with the same name. Uh, kind of crazy especially considering they were drafted both 7th overall in their respective drafts back-to-back years. Isn't stats, aren't they just great? Oh, they're the best. They're the greatest thing ever. Absolutely the best. But, Jackson, does this, like, what on earth is up with the Bills? They, They show up slow against Miami, and then they put together this performance. It's just weird to say the least. Are they squandering what looked to be their AFC to lose a couple weeks ago? Well, there's a famous Bobby Bowden quote, and he said, you know, the other kids, they're on scholarship too. Well... In the NFL, the other players are making millions of dollars, too, to play the game. Correct. And, you know, the margin of error is so slim. And I'm not really worried about the Bills just yet. Yeah, it's a bad loss, but bad games happen. I mean, that's just, that's just, part, of, that's just part, of the, part, of, part of the sport. Yeah. And I, I, obviously, based on their resume so far, you can't expect them to have a bad game in the playoffs. You have to assume they're going to play, you know, how they average, they most likely right. play. And that's the thing about the NFL. One and done in the playoffs, your, your, your season is completely over. I'm not worried about the Bills just yet unless we see a pattern of losing and playing down to bad teams. Right. Jack? I, I think someone, or really the whole sports media is th- thinking with so many, do we want to call them blips or are there actual cracks? Right. That's something that everyone, everyone's trying to uncover right now. Are the Bills one of them? I think it was a blip, just like I think it was maybe against the Cowboys. Or just like, sorry, for the Cowboys. For the Cowboys against Broncos, yeah. I think that was maybe a little bit of a, you need one of those. Just like college football maybe should expand the playoffs so that you can afford maybe a blip or two. But I'm just really happy for the Jags mostly. Yeah. I mean, how can, I don't know how you're not. I no, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a huge win for the Jags. I think that that's what Urban Meyer has been, been waiting for, like a, a, a game that he can put on the bulletin board and say that is what happens when we actually, you know, progress throughout practice and, and actually uh, pay attention to, to games like that. I think um, I might be wrong on this, but I think it is the uh, Vegas had the number one odds to win the Super Bowl were the Bills and yep. 32nd were the Jags. It is probably the biggest upset in a couple years in NFL regular season. Absolutely. And so we'll go rounding up the show a little bit. I'll go back to you, Gabe, for, for one more game that, that caught everyone's attention for the stuff that happened before the game and the week leading up, we go off the air on Monday. Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID on Wednesday. And then you get the culmination of everyone's opinion on Friday when he goes on the Pat McAfee show and he just lets it rip. He absolutely get, tells the NFL what's on his mind. He says that he, in fact, was not vaccinated. He did not want to deal with any persecution from the NFL that came with it. He had been taking other substances in order to gain immuni- uh, immunization. And he got COVID anyway. And so he is out for this game against the Chiefs. Enter Jordan Love. And 
it was kind of underwhelming to say the least. Uh, Chiefs win 13-7. to They don't look good either. Uh, but what's your one takeaway coming away from that game? I'm going to stick to what happened on the field. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. just talk about how, for starters, the Packers looked absolutely horrible with Jordan Love. Which, you know, it's a tough environment to put the kid in, but at the same time, he's been sitting there for over a year now. And, and if this is the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, the Packers might want to actually, you know, keep Aaron Rodgers around. Kiss and make bit. up a little bit more with him because, uh, I mean, they're going to need him uh, the rate that Jordan Love is progressing. But but even then, I mean, the Chiefs, man, they're still struggling. And, and Pat Mahomes is, is, is he's kind of dealing with some kryptonite right now because the NFL is catching up, or I, I don't know. But the, the Chiefs. They're still somehow in contention for the AFC West, so which is crazy. That's a and point, the AFC looks horrible. That's a point I wanted to make. Everyone today, the, 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 the take coming out of it is, wow, the AFC is so bunched together. It's so crazy how competitive these games have been and how competitive these teams are. What they aren't realizing is all these close games and all these teams bunched together, they're leaving the back door open they're for the Chiefs to potentially, if the Titans slip up, <laughs> which they could without Derrick Henry, uh, the Chiefs are still in the it's still in the realm of possibility that the Chiefs can get the one seed. As crazy that I I, I might sound crazy right now, but they, I check in with me in another nine <laughs> weeks or eight weeks now. They don't need the number one seed. I don't think. I mean, well, obviously it'll help. In the wild card, but, but I mean, if the Chiefs are to wake up, I generally don't think they need the one seed. Well, here's here's my thing. Before I say that they don't need the one seed, like they've under Mahomes, they've never played a road playoff game. This is true, except for the Super Bowl. So I, I would say that the Chiefs more than other teams probably need it until I see them win a road playoff game. But it's certainly something to look. You know, I I think it's an interesting development seeing the Chiefs. You have the Giants. Let them back in. The Giants could have won that game. You have the Packers. Aaron Rodgers out. Even though Kansas City is playing bad right now, they keep winning games. Jackson, we'll round you out with the show. I mean, yeah, I mean, even though you know everything's getting all bunched up, you're right. That's leaving the door open for the Chiefs. You know, for the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Oh, come, okay. <laughs> all right. We're gonna wrap it up there. Dropping a Dolphins on me. Monday Night Football tonight. Steelers. Bears. Shout out to Jack. Bears are going. Got, uh, the, got the Bears cap on right now. Yeah. Um, confident in Justin Fields. Um. You don't have to answer that. Yeah. All right. It's so T.J. Watt. Come on now. He had a. He actually had a decent game in San Francisco. That run though. That yeah. That run yeah, though. That run was yeah. So, I like this to be a close one, and I yeah. think it is. Uh, I, I believe the spread is seven yeah. to Pittsburgh, and I think I'd maybe take Chicago on that. And um, uh, Justin, uh, sorry, not Fields. Justin uh, Herbert. Oh. Is second among rookies uh, in rushing. You're talking about Fields or Herbert? Oh, sorry, Herbert. No, Herbert. <laughs> Fields. The, no, the, you the wish run, you had Herbert. The running back for the Bears. Herbert. Khalil, Khalil uh, Herbert. Yeah, his name was escaping me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, second among rookies uh, with 351 yards. He is running uh, like crazy, and no one can really uh, – no, that's not really what talked about. Team. <laughs> but, um, no, I, as a Bears fan, I still think they're going to lose uh, just because they're coached by Matt Nagy. So. We shall see. I lost by point thirty seven in fantasy this week. Can somebody like – I lost by two. It's, oh. tough. it's, it's brutal out there. No one wants to hear about our fantasy teams, though. That is going to do it for this edition of Tomahawk Talk. For myself, Luke Hazen, for my co-host Gabe Tisnes, Jackson, Jack, Scott, Sebastian back there, from everyone here at WVFS, this has been Tomahawk Talk. You are listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.